Hey, welcome to Brews and Backhands. I'm Kyle, your host here today. We're going to be talking about some tennis. I've got alongside with me some, some amazing friends here. Guys, why don't you chime on in? Hey, Kyle, this is Pat um, out in uh, uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Happy to be here. Let's talk some shop. This is Marty, uh, Pat's younger brother. I'm in Valparaiso, Indiana, and I'm also here to talk some shop. I don't know about this shop talking business, but I'm Connor and Andy, and uh, I'm just here, I guess. <laughs> all right there, fellas. We got a lot of good good topics here today. And I'm sure you guys all saw on, on Netflix here that they just dropped a amazing documentary series of the behind the scenes and, you know, cool looks of what tennis actually is, you know. So, you know, I know it just came out today. I know I haven't seen it very much. What are your guys' take on, on how that's going to affect the sport? So I guess I'll go ahead and kick it off. I actually haven't watched it yet, um, but I will say just kind of my two cents. It's just good to see that there's just more exposure within the sport. I mean, when you think about it, like the GOAT, Roger, I mean, he's no longer on the tour. You know, Novak and Rafa, they're only going to be there. For the, I mean, the big three isn't the big three anymore, as much as it pains me to say. So it's not. <laughs> They're, they're giving exposure outside because they, they've, they've carried the sport for so long. So I'm looking forward to watching it. Um, I think it's just, it's going to be good to see kind of behind the scenes a little bit of, you know, what tennis is about. Um, I definitely think it has, I mean, tennis has the potential, in my opinion, to be really like a global sport, maybe not quite to the popularity of like a soccer or football, depending upon, you know, what side of the pond you're on. But um, I think that this is a good step in the right direction. Um, just giving this, this sport more exposure. So but um, yeah, that's just, that's my take. All right, Marty, let's, let's see what you got to say. Let's hear it. I'll piggyback off of what Pat was saying. I definitely agree. I mean, you look through like Netflix, which this documentary is streamed on all the different tennis or all the different sports documentaries on there. Tennis is maybe makes up one or 2% of it. Uh, I know there's a Marty fish uh, breaking point documentary on there that kind of evaluates his career, but also kind of taps into like uh, mental toughness and mental, uh, I guess, illness. Cause I know he had that huge anxiety sort of hurdle to come over, but um, I think it'll evaluate a lot of that, which I think sports is really starting to dive into, especially the last, I would call it five years. It's become more and more prevalent, more and more important. Um, and then you just kind of get to see a different side of a lot of these guys off the court. I mean, I know Curios is a very polarizing guy on the tour and seeing kind of his behind the scenes will be just as entertaining, if not more entertaining than his on court kind of antics and all that. So I think that'll be kind of cool. So. Absolutely agree with Kick you. Kick us off there, Connor. All those points. Yeah, those are, those are great points, Marty. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess to piggyback off of that, it's it's interesting seeing what's been going on with tennis recently um, and in a global fashion, which is kind of, I guess, befitting with the global game. But, um, you know, we're seeing major stars from all over the world who are opening up about their mental health struggles uh, and just their their life as humans. And it's kind of, um, it's humanizing the sport in a way that I think is necessary for today's audience. I think with the accessibility that, like, today's viewers have with, um, you know, social media and everybody on TikTok, you know, they, they all follow their favorite athletes. They see their day-to-day -day lives. So, you know, uh, if, if those tennis players aren't necessarily in 
our usual like day-to-day zeitgeist, then they may not get the exposure, but they're, they're starting to do that, and it's really exciting. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see Curios when I do watch it. Uh, yeah, he's he is he's the first episode. He's the first yeah. episode. So everybody, you know, I've seen him on Twitter. He's constantly posting, you know, people bashing him and saying he's the, the bad boy of tennis and I'm so bad for tennis. Then, then why am I the first episode of this series on Netflix? You know, Which I think is good to have a character sport. like that. Like, like that reminds me of like the NBA players of the 80s and the 90s when they were really growing the sport and growing the culture of the sport. And I think that we're kind of due for another era of that. Like we've had an era of... Uh, you know, like big three dominating, we're seeing like the pinnacle of the last era. And so now we have to build a new culture. Absolutely. I agree. It's just crazy to see someone like a Nick Kyrgios getting so popular because he's, you know, with his, his crazy antics of what he does on the court, you know, our, our generation has been so blessed with having, you know, the big three, Rafa, you know, Novak, Roger, none of those guys show any emotion on the court. And when they do, it's, there's no smashing of rackets most of the time, you know, they're out there putting everything and their, their mental game is up there. So it's, it's weird to see someone of his stature getting the notoriety and the publicity that he does based on what he does on the court. You know, you think it'd be more of a negative impact as a result of yeah. what. But, I think the ATP recognizes too, like, you know, the fact that they haven't like, banned him from the tour because i mean at the end of the day it's a business like he brings in the casual sports fan like when i'm talking to a lot of like my high school buddies in particular that don't really follow tennis they know who nick curios is though i mean like Feder nadal like everybody but they know who curios is because he's just he's a character he is entertaining um i think each and every one of you i've had a few beers and, and watched him live and he he is a blast it's an unconventional yeah <laughs> I mean, he, he sells tickets at the end of the day, you know? So, you know, I, I think that's, I, I think it's smart to kind of kick it off with that. And he's, you know, to, Con, to Connor's point too, of like starting, you know, just kind of, you know, um, starting a new era of tennis. Like he's, he, he's, he's going to have his mark on it um, in some way, unconventionally, you, you would, I'll promise you, but uh, so I'm not surprised. He's the first episode. He's a hundred percent. And I, can't take this as my own thought but he's the happy gilmore of tennis he brings like in the movie you know they say this is a golf course at a rock concert and i think it's turning more into like the more casual sports fan is just coming out to see this guy and you see like a john McEnroe, you know esque attitude there where it's you kind of just people are drawn to the sport and i think Going forward, I don't know if this is good or bad, but say you think of like junior tennis and they're watching a Nick Kyrgios, I think there's going to be more and more people like a Kyrgios coming out on the tour just because these kids now are going to be watching him and watching kind of how he grows. For one, with his style of play, which is super aggressive, super, you know, you know, coming into the ball more not so much laying back on your heels but playing aggressive but also his attitude so i think like you were saying kyle the new or the current era we grew up with is kind of tapering off and like connor said we're kind of hitting that pinnacle i think that's going to be the new era and i think it's going to be interesting and entertaining to watch no i agree i mean i I watched a little bit maybe probably the first 10 minutes of it so it wasn't a lot and i mean Again, it's, it's a Netflix documentary series and they're going to try to say positive things. They're not, they're not going to bash somebody. But 
you know, I would say, and they, and I would have to agree with almost all the guys that were, that they were interviewing. He's got the most natural athletic ability on the tennis court by what he does. Like he just, he just doesn't show it. And, and everybody said it, you know, you'll see it when you watch it. It's not really much of a spoiler. You'll see in the first 10 minutes, you know, they talked to Taylor Fritz. They talked to uh, a couple other players and they're just like, he has literally got the most raw talent on the court, but it's just what he does. He just doesn't put himself in that perspective of adding himself like a, like a Rafa or a Novak or a, you know, Roger to the, to the play. Cause that's not who he is. That's not what he identifies himself as on the court. He wants to be that show that showboat and that bad boy that people come out to watch that it's not that elegant game that everybody's used to seeing back in the early 2000s. Yeah. Well, success on that point, certainly like that's, it's, it's working. It's starting to really, really work. Like he's becoming really, you know, one of the most known players in the game and it's for being kind of a bad boy. But at this point it's like, he's maturing a little bit. Um, but going back to what you were saying about like just having the most natural talent, like, do you guys think that that's why he has the success that he has against the top players? Like, do they see that in him the same way that the other players do? And they're like actually threatened by him, whereas they're not threatened by, you know, some random jabroni who's like worked his way up and is doing all right. But like, like Curios has legit top five talent. Everybody's always said it. So I like, would, I would yeah. definitely say that the top of the game is kind of they're threatened by it. And I think it is because of his raw talent. I think mm -hmm. all of his extracurriculars that he brings to the court besides his tennis definitely gets in the heads of, you know, guys that are maybe top hundred or top 50 uh, as yeah. you kind of near the peak of the ATP with the Rafa's and the, Djokovic's even though he's had success against both of those guys and even Roger as much as it pains me to say it um it's not as often like I think he has losing records potentially against both of those guys Djokovic and Rafa or if it's not a losing record maybe close you have a winning record against I honestly couldn't remember if I'm not mistaken from from the from the documentary, I think they even say that he's the only guy to beat the top big three. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I know he he has a pretty solid record, even though it's not like a ton of like meetings against each of the big three. He yeah. has a respectable head to head. Like I know that at least it's not all one sided. Yeah, before the Wimbledon um, final last year. They were when the commentators were talking about it. Djokovic had yet to take a set off of Kyrgios before that final, so I'm pretty sure Kyrgios still leads that head to head. Granted, he's only played each of those guys a handful of times, but still, they're the goats. So I mean, you know, that's a, a win's a win. <laughs> you know, a win's a win. Yeah. I, I would kill the win a game off any of those guys. So, let alone a match. But I stand corrected. I, I think, in my opinion, like. Yeah. When you think about talent-wise and definitely like the lifestyle, um, at least the way he portrays himself is, I think he's almost like a modern-day Safin a little bit. A guy that just has like a ton of talent. Yes. And like just, I mean, they both bomb the serve. Their backhands are just like world-class. Um, you know, the way they both, I mean, I guess Safin was more brooding around the court a little bit. He had a little bit more 
Curios, he needs to he needs to get a posture shirt or something to get that, you know. Yeah. Curios <laughs> just like he's always talking shit to his box though. Like it's constant. I think I think the difference though too is like the one thing, at least in that comparison, in my opinion, is like when you think about it, I mean Safin at the end of the day, he got two majors, right? But when you think about he beat some of the best players three out of five sets, Curios still has yet to prove that because I just don't think the fitness is there. True. So True. I think one thing that's the big difference between those two, but I just think the way that their talent is, the way their game is, and kind of that rock star lifestyle. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, he's what? I don't know, 27? Yeah. 20, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he bags a few majors before his his time is done. He just got to he's just got to put in the work. So. Yeah. I feel like he, he could easily have like a Babrinka-esque run where yeah. he like finally hits his peak and gets his mental game and gets his health together and then just is unstoppable and like bodies the you know the the, the top guys in um in majors like I'll, I'll always remember the way that Babrinka beat Novak just absolutely destroyed him like that's crazy yeah Djokovic took the first set and then he just rolled over him in the yeah. second, third and fourth set on clay so I definitely think Curios definitely could do that. It's just between the ears. And yeah. I think that's his number one opponent out there. That's I've just never seen one person that actually like can have as much negativity about himself as he's talking to himself on the court. Like you can hear him mic'd up yeah. and he's just like, oh, it's so bad. That's so bad. That's, that service horrible. He's like, what am I doing? He goes, why am I even, on, why am I even out here? So it's just like the negativity you see <laughs> But then he'll go out and bomb four four first serves and, and eights. So it's like, what what just happened? I think he just thrives on that though. Like he's he's like it's, at his core a contrarian. Like he loves being the heel. He's the ultimate heel. Like he's the guy who like like uh, you guys remember when uh, when D Wade and LeBron and Bosch teamed up, and like, one of them had to be full heel because otherwise like there was no way that it was going to be successful because like LeBron was not really ready to be so Wade was just like all right I'm the bad guy and he just embraced it and like someone has to be able to do that and I think that Kyrgios he doesn't have to do it like in order to succeed he has to do it in order to be him like he is a heel I agree Good way of thinking of things yeah I feel like yeah it's it, it just like it makes him more powerful it's funny. Yeah, and it'll it's be another thing that'll bring tennis to the global spectrum is tennis has had this, you know, white collared sort of attitude about it for so long to where now you have I mean there's been polarizing people before, you know, the Jimmy Connors, the John McEnroe's. I think Kyrgios is taking it to another level. I mean, he goes to the locker room and smashes a couple rackets and comes out 30 seconds later. Nobody's ever done that before. So I think stuff like that, as crazy as it sounds, brings people to the seats alone, let alone his talent level. I mean, getting to a Wimbledon final is an accomplishment of a career of itself. It's yeah. just getting over that hurdle and getting to the next step. And I think he's even said before, which blew my mind once he gets one he almost might be done with his career i feel like yeah. once he gets a taste of having one major i still think he's going to go forward and see how much he can do 
So, yeah, I don't think he's going to stop at that one. That's there's no stopping him. You know, I think I once he gets that taste that they, of of fame, yeah. he's like, I'm not stopping. There's yeah. no point. There's no way. So it'll be interesting, and I'm excited to kind of between this and the next episode, kind of break down these documentary series. Watch that one. We can circle back to it and go from there. Yes, I mean, I mean, kind of going over. So, like, I watched him at the Western and Southern this past year. And I'm not joking. Everybody was was get, trying to get in to see his match. I've never seen a more packed pe- crowd and people standing outside to see him play. And he was playing doubles. Wasn't even anything fancy. It was doubles against the uh, number one in the world for doubles wise. It was uh, him and his his buddy uh, and bro Tanasi against. Uh, yeah, and then it was <laughs> and they won, didn't they? South. It was no, they lost, but they played Joe Salisbury from uh, he was British, and they played yeah. a boy from uh, from Carmel, Indiana. Here, Raji. Oh, Raji. Yeah. So they played double. Joe, and they Joe won. is uh, Andy Murray's old doubles partner. Oh, oh wow. is he? You had to throw in the three one seven, didn't you? You know, I did. I have to. Well, have that's to. the only thing. That's the only thing we got. <laughs> that is where but, but I will say, but I will say that that match like. Rajiv Ram was 100% the better player than Joe Salisbury. Salisbury was not – he's his serve is a little off, and it's not consistent, and that's the problem. And you can clearly tell Rajiv is the 100% the better player, but he's, he's got really a more – he's got the, the Pete Sampras-type serve, though. He's got that wind-up like Sampras. Yeah. So it was it was interesting. Oh, it was so so Sampras. I was like, "What is going on here?" Because I I've never seen anybody serve like that. I didn't know some people still serve like that. So, but it was cool to see. And I mean, of course, you know, everybody wanted to see him break a racket, and of course, everybody saw it. He threw a racket down. <laughs> his neck. So we got we got a nice little fun and enjoyment out of the time. But it was honestly a cool match to watch to watch those guys play doubles and just the pure raw talent that that they have and what they can do at the at the, at the court and. And in doubles, it's it's wild. It is a back and forth real quick, and then the point's over. Well, I got to say, though, I was uh, curious, since, uh, since since it's so fitting that we kicked off the this podcast with Curios, <laughs> I was looking at his first-round matchup. I haven't even heard of this guy. Maybe you guys have. Um, I'm taking he's Russian because um, they're not showing a flag next to him. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably. So, yeah. So I think – Russian, but it's some it's our staff of Lewin. Um, I have. I don't. I don't think he's a qualifier. Doesn't indicate it here. But Kyrgios is the 19 seed. Um, I guess you know that's the thing too. Like I don't know. Like leading off of that, like what? Do, how do you think Kyrgios's form is? I mean, obviously he's cl- clearly going to be the favorite in that match. But I mean, I guess what are your guys' thoughts? With I Austin? mean, I think. I think he'll definitely get that get that win because it's it's you know it's home home native so he's gonna definitely get the win for sure you know I think he'll probably win in straight you know probably pretty easily you know but of course is he gonna throw his antics in there a hundred percent because why that's the only way he gets that stuff and that's the only way he gets gets that that stuff you know I guess the people to come because people yeah. want to watch his antics and see it so but the biggest thing I see I see here is from looking at the draw is. Dominique team, a qualifier, gets to play what? Andre Rublev. First round. First round. Team's a qualifier. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess wild card technically. 
That's wild. So yeah, no he is a intended. he's a wild card and plays Rublev in the first match, and then you've got uh, Pospisil is kind of taking a downturn for the worst. He's not as solid. So Felix Ajay Ali Yassim should probably roll through that one pretty easy, I'd say. You've got uh, Creasy, the American. He's not bad. Creasy's a very he's a servant volleyer. You don't see very yeah. many of them, uh, but he plays Ramos Vinales. Mm -hmm. uh, is uh, is still playing doubles as well? I don't Probably. think so. I, I don't. I don't no. know. I don't know. Because I know he took a break from doubles to focus on singles when he finally made his singles break, but I'm not sure. I mean, it's it's been a couple of years, I think, since that happened. Him and Sox should have just kept playing doubles and called it the day, honestly. They were unreal. They were, but they, yeah. I mean, I get it. They wanted to play singles because it's more money, but dude, their, their doubles technique and how they could play, they could have easily been up there with the Bryan brothers, 100%. They used to beat them all the time. I mean, granted, oh, I it's Bryan brothers later in their career, but it was still Bryan brothers number one in the world, Bryan brothers. Yeah. yeah. They're still not slouches. You've also but, uh, got Jay Wolf from uh, OSU. And uh, yeah, he plays. He plays. Uh, I think is it Jared Thompson? Jay Jay Thompson. I don't I know who. I think so. I'm looking through the draw now. Just but that one, that one could actually be a pretty decent match because Wolf is not a terrible player. He's pretty. He's pretty solid. He's, he's very, got some solid. He's very. I don't know if energetic is the way to describe his game but he's so like springy and so his first step is very quick he's one of the fastest first steps that i've seen in part of this oh. new wave of players um plus he's not afraid to rock a sleeveless shirt so i'll be pulling yeah sure and the mullet too right yeah and yeah Ooh, mullet. Got you gotta add the mullet more <laughs> <laughs> money's on him the dude's a legend <laughs> the crazy one is that i'm seeing from here on this one is so this is, and this is what's crazy. Berrettini plays Murray, which will be, could be pretty decent. Tanasi plays Fonini. And then the That'll winner of good. those two play each other, of those two matches play each uh, other. That's a fun so little set there. I that, think Berrettini is going to crush Andy Murray. Yeah. Because yeah, metal hit boy doesn't I mean, really let's have be honest, takes anymore. Yeah. And Berrettini. Coming into a fresh season, it, it, is he like coming off an injury too? Like he's had a ton of rest time. He's yeah. gonna come out firing. He looked pretty good. Berrettini looked pretty good too at the um, United Cup too. Yeah. So he showed some pretty good signs. Like he, I think he should have beat Sitsipas. Um, like that was like a week ago or so, maybe or earlier week. And then he's he's had a couple pretty strong wins. And like I know Murray played Berrettini at the U.S. Open last year. And Murray was yeah. able to nab a set because he's just, you know, the ultimate fighter. Well, Rafa is, but Murray's right there. And But, yeah, I agree with you. I think Berrettini I, – I think best-case scenario for Murray is he loses in four in that match. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. But – Yes, Phil. But, so, but uh, Benassi and um, – Oh, shoot. Um, Bonini. Yes. Bonini. That could be a That'd really – you, I think that'll you, be an interesting match because Tanasi's a pretty solid player. I think ever since he's had, I wish, I mean, he had that shoulder injury several years ago, which, which caused him to have, I think, a shoulder replacement or whatever that would be. 
So that definitely took him out, but you can definitely see his level of play slowly coming back. And once he gets, I don't think he'll ever get back to what he was pre-surgery. Right. I think he's trying to get to that point, you know, and Fonini's kind of on the slow out, out and out. Yeah. But I think it'll be, you know, I mean, you've got a guy that's trying to get back to where he was. and You've got a guy that, you know, was him total wild years ago. So it's just like, I think it's, it's a, it's a flip of a coin on who is, who's, who's going to come out and play and who's going to win really. I, I mean, really, that's about it. That's a lot of the big, big stuff. I mean, you got Sebastian Corda, that's a very young up and coming player. That's, you know, I think can, can, can come out and play pretty well. He's, you know, he's played well. Yeah, um, he's, he's beat Djokovic at the tune-up tournament to the Aussie. Yeah. Oh, did he? Yeah. He was, was it Auckland? Yeah. Or, okay. And Djokovic, being Djokovic, had a late kind of resurgence because um, Corda won the first set. It was either, I think it was 5-4 or 6-5 in the second, and Djokovic either pulled it out 7-5 or in a tie break and then won in the third set. But it was a good match, and I think – Long term, he's going to be kind of a force to be reckoned with. Corda is so. Oh, I I agree. I agree. I Watching I him play at, at the Western and Southern was definitely interesting to, to watch. You know, he played uh, Isner, you know, and he came back and was trying to trying to battle with Isner. And Isner unfortunately took the took the match, but watching him play was was solid. I mean, he was he was giving Isner a run for his money. That's let's let's just say that. You yeah. know, he's not very. He didn't look very tall. Really, I mean, I'd say a lot of them. I mean, out of like the first round of matches, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot. You know, you've got Kyle Edmund. That's kind of he kind of dropped off the the face of the earth there for a hot minute, you know. And he plays Yannick Center, and I think that should be a walkover for Center. I don't, I don't think he'll, I don't think Center will will really lose. I think he'll win in straight sets because Edmund's kind of lost his step. Yeah, that match uh, probably a couple of years ago would be a little more interesting. But yeah, I'd agree with you. Now, Ed, he's yeah. He's been kind of off the radar for a while. I will say, while Fabrinka is slowly coming back into play, he's got he uh, he plays Malkin. It looks like it is. It's a Serbian uh, Serbia player, and then the winner of that plays either Pospisil or Felix, which more than likely will be Felix. Unfortunately, more than likely would not be a uh, very long match either. No. Well, then you've got the Battle of the uh, French, Gasquet and uh, Hugo Umbert. Ooh. Let's go, Richard. Yeah. He's kind of – he's like an up-and-down player. I feel like sometimes he'll play like two or three matches where he's just a total stud. And then Ooh, he'll Gasquet. go like – Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he'll play like – he'll play like four tournaments in a row and he'll lose the first round. And you're like – He's always been that though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because well, as as a junior, wasn't he like ranked ahead of Roger? It was like um, in in a in a similar era, and like I mean, he obviously ended up having a great career, but I mean, yeah. not a Roger career. No, he you just know, he kind of dropped off. I know Gasquet yeah. and Rafa in like the junior arena were rivals, like back and forth, and I guess Gasquet oh. had a winning record against him in the junior arena. And then as soon as it kind of hit the pro circuit, it just flip switch kind of thing. So yeah, it hasn't gone quite a way in that, in that matchup. No. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, Rafa became Rafa, and then yeah, the game he, set match. he became a total a total st- you know star, and we'll the the rest is history. We'll go with that. Yeah. One of the goods. Speaking <laughs> of Rafa, too, there's there's been some commentators, I think, doing a little disservice to Rafa, saying he's at risk of losing to Draper in the first round. Mm-hmm. And I'm, dude, what the guy's the, okay. champion, you know. When was the last time Rafa lost in the first round? Oh, I can I can tell you. I think that was what, er, what, two thousand sixteen against Bernasco. No, okay, yes, at that match, honestly, if you want to watch a, an amazing match, I highly recommend watching that one. That is by far the highest and most best quality of, of tennis for five sets that I've ever seen. Which and match? It was the two thousand and. I think it was 16 or 17 Aussie Open. It was yeah. the first round. They played in like the middle of the day and yeah. they played against each other. And it was just Verdasco's out there blasting the ball. But holy, holy hell, they were just going back and forth nonstop. Yeah. It was wild. I mean, Nadal won last year, let's not forget. Yeah. He's defending champion. I mean, Came yeah, back. That, three, two, that is two fairly sets. disrespectful to act like he might lose in the first round. Like, yeah, he's not my on. pick for the tournament, but I think he's going to beat Jack Draper. <laughs> right? yeah. yeah, I agree. Even though Draper did beat, I believe, was he the one who beat Felix at the Open last year, U.S.? 